Hockey is back. The podcast has returned and we are here to give you an in-depth Ranger season preview. How will Gerard Gallant fare in his first year as the Blue Shirts head coach? Can this Rangers team make the playoffs? We break it all down and make our predictions for the season with the post-hockey Hall of Fame writer, Larry Brooks. Our special guest is the newest Rangers winger, Barclay Goudreau. We are back and better than ever. It's time for a season preview edition of Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. It has been a while. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your damn podcast. But give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate your support. We have an episode today that is Thursday, next week Friday after the first two games of the Rangers season. And then every Thursday for the entire Rangers season after that. Joining us on the season preview show today is, of course, Hockey Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer for the New York Post, Larry Brooks. But now let's welcome in your host for Up in the Blue Seats this season. She used to play shooting guard. She went to UMass, the zoo. She hails in New Jersey. Let's give a warm welcome back to New York Post hockey writer, Molly Walker. And her co-host is a Rangers great. He's won Emmy Awards. He's won Hair Awards. He used to date Cher, for God's sake. Let's give a warm welcome back once again to Rangers great number 10, Ron Wow, Jake, I so miss that. <laughs> and I miss you guys. It's been such a long time. Uh, the anticipation for our first show for the season to start. One of the things I miss is not just you guys, but the interaction with the fans and talking hockey. I love my summers. I love my time off. But once hockey season comes around, there's a different energy to me because it's still part of me. When training camp starts, I still feel like I'm a player. And so I follow every little thing. And when you talk about every little thing, those are all the things that we're going to talk about. As the Rangers are in training camp, they've started their games. We have new coaching, new management, new players, and a new motto. This team will stick together, as we saw last night, with the Rangers playing against New Jersey. A lot of energy on the ice. And one of those players is Barkley Goodrow, who's going to be our guest today. So we're excited to be able to talk to him. We're thankful for the New York Ranger organization to give us access to these current players. And of course, a lot of that has to do with Molly, Molly Walker. <laughs> Molly, welcome to the show. And I'm looking forward to this season. You're back. We're all back. And I'm excited that we will have access to current players. Yes, I, I also am very excited that uh, wasn't allowed the last couple of seasons. But, you know, new season, new rules, new management, new PR staff. So very exciting. Definitely a lot of access. And Ron, I, I got to ask, you know, are you lacing up the skates? You know, are you like going to try to get on the ice with how excited you are for training camp? <laughs> well, what, what's funny, I just I just got back. Marty Turco, a lot of alumni do events or a charity events. 
defense. And Marty Turco just had one in Dallas. And I hadn't been on the ice for two years because of COVID. A lot of my events were shut down. And that's one of the things I miss. So I actually just got to play. I'm on the ice. And what's good for me is when I do go play, I kind of tap into being a player because I'm thinking in the game. So it helps me when I'm watching to understand how the players are thinking on the ice. So I'm not that far removed. I still have a heartbeat. I still have fire in my belly. But can I, you still skate like can, how you oh, could skate? That's the question. Oh, it's beautiful. It's really nice on the ice. And of course, I wear my Ranger uniform. Anytime I wear my uniform, I still think I'm a player. I think you give me four months of training and I'd be in training camp. Yes, I still think I could be on the ice playing. Uh, but yeah, there's a um, there's something that happens to me because I started playing hockey at the age of three. There's something that happens to me when I step on the ice, put a puck on the ice, have a stick, and to be able to play with other alumni, make a pass, receive a pass, score a goal. I'm still chasing after a goal. I'm still chasing after getting a response from the fans, although <laughs> we don't have a lot of fans, but I still, that noise, I like always to think of myself as the guy that's noticeable on the ice. We have to do things to be noticeable. Even still, my hair, I step on the ice, is perfect, right? It's wafting in the wind, wafting as he skates by. Although the uh, salt and pepper beard is is just a little bit of a difference, though, right? No, I know. Occasionally, I let myself go, and I don't shave. (laughs) And so pardon me for that. Um, but yeah, I, I still have a passion for playing and I'm going to do this for as long as I can. I'm healthy. My legs are strong. I ride the bike a lot. So I still have a little pop in my legs and I still have, and and I also have this thing called don't touch me on the ice. (laughs) No, it's don't touch the hair. Don't Don't touch touch the the hair. hair. Yeah. So, and, and then because my son, my, my, my son, Noah, uh, who occasionally will come and play with me. So I got to experience my son, Noah. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I have a little pop in my step right now because I just finished playing. The season's about to get started. I'm loving this team, especially what I saw last night against New Jersey. What is it that you're seeing? Because you're around the team. Unfortunately, I don't get to go to the dressing room, be around the players. What is it? Is there a certain energy you're feeling with the new coaching, the new players? I know you mentioned Ryan Reeves. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't shut up about Ryan Reeves since he was acquired. Let's let's be real. But yeah, no, absolutely. There is definitely a new vibe to, to the team and around the team. It's definitely a lot looser. And that's that's you could chalk that up to uh, Gerard Gallant. He's he's a very different kind of coach. Obviously, I haven't covered a lot of coaches uh, up close since I started covering uh, the NHL first time about two years ago now. He's not hands-on. He's he's a lot looser. He takes a little bit of a step back. And and the players have also talked about that in when we asked them about Gallant's new system and, and just the, the feeling around the team, especially Ryan Strom was talking about that. It's just a lot more easygoing. The players aren't thinking about what they're doing on the ice as much. There's a lot more free to just go out and play, which I feel like was something that was missing from David Quinn's regime. A lot of the players were kind of in their heads a little bit thinking too much about his system and and the things that he expected them to do. So there's definitely a new vibe. You know, players are coming in. They look different. They're older. You know, Keandre Miller's sporting a goatee. Alexi Lafreniere is, you know, Gallant's describing him as overconfident. You know, the kids are the kids are growing up and uh, they changed the look of their lineup this offseason. And, and that's a, a big driving point that we'll definitely get into on this episode. But yeah, definitely, definitely a new vibe around the team for sure. All right. You mentioned Alexi Lafreniere and he's one of the players that 
I wanted to see, because from season to season, players come back, especially the young ones come back, and you can see a difference in them. Now, it could be conditioning. They spend another three or four months or a year older. They get they get training, get training differently. They realize they need to go even harder. So with Lapiniere, he's a player that, you know, expectations are high. And coach said he's a little overconfident. Oh, yeah. Was, it, was there something that he meant by that? And he also said, as long as he shows up ready to play, to play hard. Is there a message in that, in what he said, or is it what he's saying is what he means? No, it's a, it's a good question, Ron, you know, because a lot of people on Twitter.com were really blowing that quote out of proportion and completely neglecting the fact that he said, that Gallant said, and that's a good thing. I'm pretty sure the quote was, he's a little overconfident. He comes in and he's, and he stopped himself and said, not cocky. He's not cocky. But he has a confidence in himself and he knows what he can do. And, you know, that comes with being, you know, the first overall pick. But it's a good sign that not only is Gallant encouraging it, because he said, and that's a good thing, like you said, as long as he can come in and play the game and, and do it right. But having a bit of an overconfidence to yourself and, and a bit of cockiness is always a good thing for a young player. This guy's 19 years old. He's supposed to be a little free bird, a little, you know, goofy, laughy, you know, <laughs> that's what they call him. But it's definitely a good thing. And I wouldn't look too far in that comment. And honestly, especially because it's a little difficult for us as media to get Gallant to say specifics about his players because you could tell his philosophy is not singling guys out, treating all 23 players the same. And he's vocalized that. So I don't think that there's anything to look too far into that quote. I, I would take it as a good thing. And and Lafreniere, Lafreniere looks great. He's uh, really reaping the benefits of being on that top line with Zibanejad and, and Kreider. And and uh, I know they had a little bit of a, of a, of a wing change. Um, they've tried to put him on the right wing, uh, but it was very short-lived. So expect to see Lafreniere on his uh, comfortable side on the left and Kreider is going to switch to his right. And that should be the opening night top unit. So we'll see how it goes. And he's being given every opportunity to to really take off this year. So we'll see how it goes. All right. So later in the show, we're going to have Larry and we're going to ask him about Zibanejad and his contract. But uh, special mention to Mika because he has made Team Sweden. Sweden. Uh, yeah, he made the Olympic team. This will be his first Olympics, and that's got to be for him a level of excitement because I know he, I think he's played in some world championships, but the play and represent your country, a country that does very well in the Olympics. So I, I'm sure uh, congrats to him. And also, Molly, about you, uh, what, <laughs> oh should we, what should we expect out of you this season? Because I understand you get to travel with the team, something that you have not done in the past. So yes. yeah, are you looking forward to that? I'm so looking forward to that, especially after covering the Islanders uh, postseason run in Tampa Bay last season. I got to spend like a week and a half in Tampa Bay. And, and what is what's wrong with that? There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So I'm excited. I, I really haven't traveled much in my life. So I'm excited to go to all the different places. I'm excited to go to the Seattle Kraken when they play the first ever game against the New York Rangers. Getting to be a part of something like that should be really cool. But yeah, 
yeah, I'll be on on a majority of the road trips and and doing the doing the damn thing, you know, just traveling like a real beat writer. So I'm excited for it. it should be fun and it should also make for some good content and and different type of access. So we'll see. And Ron, she will be bringing insight with Post Sports Plus as oh. well. You're gonna you're gonna be talking <laughs> to the members and bringing that to the podcast this season, right? Okay. Yes. So are we gonna see a lot of this on your social media, your travels? Travel with Molly, I think is what yeah. we need to call it. We could just do a segment on all my best like spots to eat and stuff like although you well, probably... she does have this alter ego Instagram. What is your Instagram oh, about your my dr- God, martinis no. or something? Stop it. I don't even know if I want to plug that. I don't even know if I want the New York <laughs> Post to know about that. I made it when I was really drunk one day. <laughs> the best was okay, so it's called Cosmo Girl MW and it's I love Cosmopolitans, which is probably the most stereotypical drink any female could get. But I love them. And I made an Instagram because that's legit all I get anywhere I go. So I've got a million and one Cosmopolitans and I just after I created it and followed Jake on Instagram, he texted me the next morning and was like, you must have been smashed when you made this. <laughs> but enough about that, please. Let's let's go back Ron's to Ron's going to send you his tequila yeah. drinks. Yeah. His tequila so I need, I need Molly. I think a lot of a lot of people are wondering because of your travels now, are you single? Or are you? <laughs> I'm not. Unfortunately for all you people out there, I, I did get locked up. I signed a uh, long-term deal with the, with a man. So. Okay. And he's a good-looking dude. He's, he's an attractive, he's a good-looking guy. I'll say. Yeah. So I haven't met him, but just from pictures, he looks like he looks like he's, Thanks, he's a Jake. stud. I've, sure. I've done there well you for myself. Thank uh, you. You did well, Molly. All right. And just so you know, speaking of being single or not, I'm still very single. <laughs> And Just having a sim- little plug in there. Yeah. And, the sponsor, this podcast sponsored by Christian Mingle or Match.com. Yeah. Now. What's yeah. going on? And having, having said that, Molly, say hi to your mom. Yeah. <laughs> I want to die. I just, I literally just, I'm done. Wait, there's a knock on the door. There's a knock on Ron's door. Oh, no, Molly's on, mom is there. Honestly, we're just lucky that she's in school right now and she's not hanging outside my door waiting for her opportunity to come and say, she already texted me and said, tell Ron I say hi. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, predictions. Make your predictions. Molly, start with you. Rangers predictions. Uh, my Rangers prediction, you know, it's not as harsh as it was last year. Last year, I did say I didn't expect them to make the playoffs at all which is what happened this season you know it's a stacked division once again back in the metro back to the uh you know regular realignments you know they play the islanders four times the devils four times boston twice hurricane four times it's it's a pretty loaded schedule again um i don't expect them to secure a spot in the playoffs outright which would be to finish in the top three However, I could see them battling it out for a wild card spot in the East, whether we'll be talking about this with Larry later in the show, but it's definitely going to come down to a couple things. And I also wouldn't count the Devils out. I think that they could take some strides this year and be in the mix a lot more than I think people think they were. So it's going to be a tough division again. I think that they could gun for a wild card spot and make it into the playoffs that way. Because you if you really look at at who they're playing, I mean it's it's a it's a stacked division with the Islanders and the Capitals. It's those are probably going to be the teams you see at the top there. And uh it's probably won't be much changing. So we'll see though. That's my prediction. How about you, Ron? All right. Well wait a minute. You didn't finish. How about Oh let's Stanley get, Cup? Let's get let's get past all the right, Rangers. All right. Stanley all Cup. Right. Who are your Stanley final Cup? two? I can't give a final two, but I, I just I think it's the abs year. I really do. And uh no, I, it is not because of, of my dear 
UMass alum Kale McCarr as much as I would love to see him hoist the cup. I do think that they are really going to come out this year just zero regard for anybody else. Just it's time and their window is starting to close a little bit here. So I think that uh, they're the team to beat this year for sure. Okay. Well, with me, the headlines are this. Shesterkin, <laughs> Shesterkin, Shesterkin. Oh. If, if, if the Rangers are going to make the playoffs, he's going to have to be Lundquist-like. Mm, he's going to have to do it because there's <laughs> going to be so many close games that right. are going to go either way. And it's going to need to be goaltending whatever teams are going to make the playoffs because they're all very good. I wouldn't say all the Rangers are going to be better than they were last year. They're going to have more points than last year, but is it enough to make the playoffs? Will they eliminate possibly or beat Pittsburgh or Washington. There's a few teams that I think I would pencil in now. So I I think it's going to be close. Want them to make it there. But a lot of it will have to do with goaltending. We know this. But for the Rangers, it's going to be because I I think defensively they're going to be better and they can score goal as we saw last night against New Jersey. They're going to be able to score goals. They'll defend a little better. Uh, It's going to come down to goaltending. And boy, did he look good last night. So if he brings his hay game and Lundqvist like win some games, then I think they squeeze into the playoffs. That's my best analogy of what I think I've seen so far. And of course it has to do with, you got to be healthy, right? Like you can't lose the Benajad. You cannot lose the Benajad. You cannot lose Panarin. You lose those guys and that can cost you three or four games that eliminates you from the playoffs. So you can't lose those guys. And then moving forward deep into the playoffs, I think it's going to be Colorado and Tampa. Tampa for sure, unless they have some issues with losing players. I think it's Colorado, Tampa. That might be an easy thing to say because it's fairly obvious, but I'm going with those two teams. You could not, you you have to give Tampa because they're essentially, they've made some changes. They keep making changes. They keep adding the right players and that's the team to beat. All right. So everyone's saying, I'll say the Rangers will make the playoffs. So you guys both are saying they're in the playoffs. Is mm-hmm. that true? Molly, you were on the fence. Was I don't know through, if you gave Mine answer. was through wild card. I don't think wild they'll card. win outright. I think they'll win the wild, wild I'm, card. I'm essentially saying the same thing and I'm not definitely saying they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. I think they have an opportunity to make the playoffs. <laughs> um, they're go- it's going to be dancing. Yeah. We're dancing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's gone. It's go. It's if, if they get the goaltending, then I think they make it. Can't have what happened last season. Both Shesterkin and Georgiev were, were really rough to start. But I think a lot of that was the shock of not having Henrik Lundqvist there anymore. That was a big safety net for both of those guys. And having him gone was probably a culture shock. Like, holy shit, it's just us now, you know? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It was that. But the, the team in front of them didn't play that well either. They that didn't, too. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't defend that great. And I think it's going to be different. When you look at the makeup, they're bigger and stronger. Yeah. Right? They changed the makeup. That was, you know, everybody likes to ask like, oh, did do you feel like the Rangers actually got better this offseason? And, you know, there's arguments to be made, yes. But the one thing that you definitely could say yes to is they've changed the makeup of the lineup, which is something that they absolutely had to do. They were coming out of their ears in the same type of players. And I know a lot of people had a problem with the Buchnevich trade, but that was to create room for young players and guys like Alexi Lefrenier and Capo Caco to start getting the minutes that they deserve and the minutes that they need to further develop and become better players. So, but they did change the makeup 
of their lineup, the bottom six to be specific. Since this is the season preview extended edition, we'll close on this before Larry Brooks and Barclay Goodrow join the show. Ron, uh, I interviewed Joe Namath on the Gangs All Here podcast that I do with Brian Costello, and I had to ask him about Studio 54 and Ron Duguay, and here's what Broadway Joe had to say. Joe, last one for you. Ron Duguay hosts our Rangers podcast, and with him we always talk about Studio 54. How cool was Studio 54 back in the day? Oh, man. Now, Rod, you, you're talking about a cat that, you know, he, he, I don't know about the attire, but he'll be ranking up there with Clyde, man, when he talk, talks about being a, a ladies guy or a round <laughs> man around town. Boy, he, he's special, of course. You had to know the dorms so much. I mean, if you, if you went out after 9 o'clock or, you know, 10 o'clock, there's a line that uh, you really didn't want to stand in for a long time. So if you knew the dorm and you had a shot at being able to get in there, and then when you got in, man, it was happening with a lot of people, uh, the music and the dancing and all. It, it was it was the happening place at the time. To be a fly on the wall, Cobbs, back, <laughs> back in the day and see Ron Duguay and Joe Namath out on the dance floor with Cher in one corner. Uh, you know, it, it would have been a hell of a time. There you go. So, Ron, what's your connection with Joe? I, I know you said that there was like a, news, a newspaper or magazine that said Young Namath or something they called it. Well, that? That was, uh, they put me on the cover of uh, Forum Magazine, which is the uh, storybook for Penthouse. And they had asked me to be on the cover. And, of course, at the time, I'm very young. I have no idea what I'm doing. And it was recommended I do this. So they put me on the cover. And if you've seen the cover, it's me being held up by four or five topless penthouse women. So I had to suffer through three or four hours of having this photo shoot. (laughs) Yeah. And so I don't know what the headlines are going to be. Well, sure enough, you read the book, you see the headlines, and they describe me as son of Namath, which is son of Joe Namath. I kind of came in after him. And I don't know if you know the backstory about Joe, but Sonny Warblin, who was, I think, the president of the Jets at the time, brought him in and wanted Joe to be Joe. He essentially encouraged him to go out, play hard, win, but also be seen outside. And sure enough, Sonny Warmland, years later, ends up at Madison Square Garden. So I have this conversation with Sonny Warmland. I say, and he essentially encouraged me to go out and be seen, but still perform on the ice. And I said, well, okay, I'll give it my best shot. <laughs> and, uh, and now Studio 54 is open. But the thing with Joe is that we never ran into each other. It wasn't until years later where I start going to his Joe Namath uh, events, charity events, that we talked a little bit. We, But we didn't, there wasn't, you, you're not going to find a picture of Joe and, I, Joe and I on the dance floor dancing with Cher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's incredible. Well, he said he said you were a ladies, man. He said you didn't have the style like Clyde Frazier, but you did uh, get the ladies like Clyde did and with the fur coats and all that. Well, let's get back to hockey and previewing the Ranger season as Larry Brooks of the New York Post joins us next right here on the season preview edition of Up in the Blue Seats. He's back, folks. Joining us now on Up in the Blue Seats is our Hockey Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer at The Post, Larry Brooks. Follow Larry on Twitter at NYP Brooksy and read his stories in the New York Post or at NYPost.com. 
Com. Larry, one of the top storylines this season is that Mika Zibanejad is entering the final year of his contract as a pending unrestricted free agent. What have you heard about those ongoing negotiations and how do you expect things to play out? In radio silence for a couple of weeks, uh, Zibanejad talked about it the first day of training camp. He said he didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> He's represented by his brother, who is not known as a leaker, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, and neither is uh, Chris Drury. So I'm not sure, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm not sure. I think if Zibanejad is looking for seven or eight years, it's going to be an issue with the Rangers. I don't think they want to go there. I think they'd much prefer five or six. He's going to be 29 when the new contract starts. We, kn- we know about the aging curve, um, and the Rangers are sensitive to that. Now, Zibanejad, of course, is, sees himself as an elite center. He's looking, I think, at nine, 10 million a year. Certainly when the when the Rangers had interest in Eichel, and who knows if that's that's still on the table. You know, you know that Jack Eichel's in at 10 a million. And so if I'm Mika Zibanejad, I'm saying, listen, if you want Jack Eichel and you're willing to pay him 10, then pay me 10 too. I don't know that that works for the Rangers, even on a shorter term deal. Um, the Rangers are going to be hard pressed the next couple of years under the cap. They've, they've got their first line center, Ryan Strom, their second line center is also entering his the last year of his deal. Adam Fox is going to be somewhere between nine and 10 next year on, on his new contract. So next year, they're going to they're going to face a major squeeze. Kako is going to have a new contract. Um, Lafreniere a couple of years down the road. So you can see where all this is going. So the $10 million number probably doesn't work for the Rangers unless Zibanejad says, look, I'll take five years and I'll take five years at 10 and maybe the Rangers can do that. It's going to be interesting because what we don't know about the negotiations will probably have an impact on whether the Rangers are truly interested in Jack Eichel or not. If they know they can't sign Zibanejad, then it makes more sense. If they still are in the game with Zibanejad and they want to sign him, then it's almost impossible for them to get Eichel because they can't have Eichel and Zibanejad both after this season. So there's a lot with with Mika who may go through the year and 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 play it out. Uh, we've seen that before. You know, with the Rangers, they've had a couple of examples. Kreider just a couple of years ago went basically to the trade deadline before signing. Signing. A number of years ago, Matt Zuccarello did the same. Dan Girardi did the same. So there is precedent for guys signing during their walk year. I remember you wrote about the importance of putting the right players on Barkley Goudreau's line right after he signed. And I believe you specifically said if the plan is to stick him next to Philip Hedl and Vitaly Kravtsov, the Rangers might as well give the $21 million plus to you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's looking like that could be the opening night third line, though, if Kravtsov is healthy. But Julian Gauthier is also in the mix. What are your thoughts on how they've used Goudreau so far, thinking back to what you wrote about specifically putting him next to those two guys? Right. Well, I, I think they've used Goudreau properly. I'm not sure they have the right two guys with them on the third line. Listen, I know Philip Hedl is, is a young player, even though he is in his fifth training camp. He's he's been here. He was a very, very young 18 when he came. He was, he was I think he's an early September birthday. So he's a very, he was a very young draft pick and he's now in his fifth training camp. He's now entering his, his fifth pro season, basically. And I'm just not sure he's a center. I like him more on the right. I, I like him as a power winger. I do. And, and I know I know there's great value into having a power center, into having somebody as big and strong and skates as well as as Philip does, having him in the middle. But I just don't I don't see the vision from from Philip Hedl. I, I I don't see him 
distributing the puck. I see him as a, as, as a dispatcher. I don't see him as a give-and-go guy coming across the line. I think he, he's got a, a strong power move down the wing. He's big. He engages, but I just don't see him as a center. So, you know, I'm not sure. And But once you have Hedl as your third line center, then that's where Goudreau is going to go. I, I don't think Goudreau is a top six. If there's an injury, of course, he could move up. But I think we're seeing also if there's an injury that Sammy Blay might be able to move up for short term. So I think the third line is is undefined as yet. I have a hard time seeing Kravtsov in that role too. I don't think he's that kind of player. Uh, it obviously hasn't helped him that he's been out for the last four or five days and, and Gautier's played well. But um, I think the third line is something that's that's going to be a work in progress all year, and it could be different in three weeks. Larry, I got to swing back because you mentioned Eichel. I got to swing back. He didn't make much sense to me last year because of the makeup of the team and the coaching and management. Now that everything's changed, when you look at the team, the way it's built now, does if you had an opportunity to get him now at the right price, of course, would it make sense to get Eichel now with the character and the makeup of this team and what's possibly missing? If you subscribe to the theory that you can't have Eichel and Zibanejad both on the team next year, then what you're doing by bringing – and again, if the Rangers know they can't sign Zibanejad, it's a different conversation. So we're, we're really talking about supposition and speculation here. But if Zibanejad is still in play, what you're doing by bringing in Eichel is basically trading Zibanejad and the package you are giving up for Eichel for Eichel. Does that make sense? Does that make the Rangers better? Does it make the Rangers better by losing Zibanejad and say trading Lundqvist, uh, Zach Jones, Heedle? I don't see the package the Rangers are putting together because I'll tell you one thing, and 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 this training camp has changed my mind. In the spring, I might have been willing to trade Kako for Eichel. That would have been my my blue chip. I wouldn't have traded four or five assets for Eichel, I might have said, okay, you know what? Kako's a second overall. He's going to be a big time player. We'll trade him. He's a right wing. We can justify trading a young right wing for a young center. Eichel is still young with five years on his deal. I would have thought that they could have made Kako the centerpiece of the deal and said, okay, Kako, one other player, and maybe a first rounder, or maybe just a first rounder. Now, after this training camp, I'm not trading Kako. I'm just not. And so I just don't see the package that the Rangers would put together that makes sense. And I don't know that Eichel's a better player than Zibanejad when Zibanejad's at his best. So I am not on the Eichel train. I've really never been on the Eichel train. A couple of times I have I've written what I thought made sense for the Rangers if they were committed to Eichel. But I'm not sure that bringing in Eichel makes this team better. And I think, too, that, you know, the Rangers want to see Zibanejad under Gallant. I, I was a little surprised that the Rangers didn't make one real bold move over the summer. I thought, you know, other than moving Buknevich, I thought there would have been a, another move to address the top six, which didn't quite work last year. But there was no, no, no move. And I think the reason was because Drury wants to see his guys play before he moves them. I think he wants to see Zach Jones if he can. He wants to see Lundquist. He wants to see Schneider in the American League. He, you know, he wants to see Kravtsov maybe. Without giving up a blue chip, 
I don't see how Eichel comes to New York. And again, I, I don't know that Eichel makes the Rangers better. You're also talking about, and in, in the grand scheme of things, it's probably not all that significant, but you're not going to have Eichel for at least two months, right? After he gets his surgery, if you get him. So you're talking about him adding him to the team in the middle of this season. So you're, you're, you know, you'd be going two months at least without the players you traded for Eichel and you'd be without Eichel also. And I, and I understand it's a longer term, uh, a longer term issue, but I don't know that the Rangers want to uh, want to go without three or four players for the next two months either waiting for Eichel to come. Well, Larry, I'm in agreement with you. Uh, Zabinajad for Eichel, I would never do that. Love Zabinajad. There's no reason to move him unless you have to move him. I think he's a better player. He's very comfortable in New York. He's very happy in New York. You don't want to make that change just for the sake of making that change. And as far as Buznevich, he's a player that I had really liked. I I thought he was a skilled guy. I thought a guy that competed well. I'm still waiting to see why they made that move because he fit well in the top six, but that still remains to be seen. I think Chris Drury so far has done a wonderful job. And and like what you're saying, he's probably just wait and see. He doesn't want to rush it. And I'm anxious to see what how that's going to play out. Now, having said all that, uh, watched the game last night against New Jersey. And I think we're seeing a difference in this team, not just because of the player change, but Coach Gallant. I think that he's created a an atmosphere where the players are a little more relaxed and having fun, but still structured. But the one thing that stood out last night was that this team is going to stick together and they're going to compete. What is it that you've seen? I know you know, Jerry, Gerard Gallant from the past. What is it that you're seeing in front of you on this team in training camp so far? What I'm seeing is is what what pretty much backs up what you have said. It's it's a more relaxed team. The coach is not in the player's business all the time. Much less hands on. <laughs> much, much less. Well, much less hands on publicly. And I and I think it's interesting about Gallant because we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. Um, when 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 we watch practice, we're not sh- you know we don't know exactly how he communicates behind closed doors. I think though that any perception that he is an easy coach is 180 degrees off off the mark. When I talked to uh, Yarmer Yager back in, in in the spring or early summer, and he had played for Gallant in Florida and thrived under him, he loved he loved playing for Gallant. But what he said was doesn't matter who you are. If you don't follow the structure, if you don't follow the system, you're going to be benched, whether you're on the first line or the fourth line. And I think that's something that's going to that's going to be really interesting to see as the year goes on, because we know that last year the top six and the coach had issues. We know they did. David Quinn was just never quite able to get the top six to play the way he wanted them to play. If that's the case this year, and and the interesting thing is Quinn's ask isn't that much different from Gallant's, and it's really not that much different from any coaches. Play hard all the time. You know, come back hard. Get in on the puck. Puck pressure. Puck pursuit. uh, Puck support. That's what Quinn talked about all the time, but it's not only the message, it's getting the message across and it's getting the players to, to to buy into the message. And I think that Gallant will have a much easier time doing that. He comes with a track record of success. He's experienced players uh, who played for him in Florida, in Vegas, like playing for him. So I do think there's a different tenor, but I but I also think, you know, we haven't gotten serious either you know the first or second time that a that a that a player is lazy on the back check it'll be interesting to see if he sits larry would you agree with me uh gerard gallant was a teammate of mine for two years in detroit so i've gotten to know him as a person i watched him compete i watched what kind of player he was he became a skilled player he can score goals play both ends he fought 
He defended his teammates. Do you see a difference in a coach that's been through it, understands it, and like you said, he treats everyone the same, is because Gerard Gallant was a star player in the NHL. Do you see a difference in coaches that have been through it, been successful, versus other coaches not as much? I do. Listen, I I think there's room for different styles. There's room for different resumes. But I also think that when a when a coach stands in front of you and and he has done it, has done it at a, at a high level. Although you know he was a, he was a star, but he wasn't a marquee player. I mean, he was a grinder before he became a star, right? And he he probably he would probably. Uh, throw up his hands if you called him a star. He was probably, <laughs> right. I mean, he, I don't think he ever perceived himself as a star. He he was a tough, you know, one of those tough guys who came through in the eighties and nineties and power winger who who could score, who could fight, who would stand up for his teammates. I think that does command respect. This is not a backhand slap at David Quinn. I, I think I think David did the best. Uh, honestly, I, I think he's going. I think he's a good coach. I think he's he deserves another shot. I think he will be a better coach having the experience in New York the next time around. But I, I think as often happens with teams, you when you when you change coaches, you change dynamics, you want different personalities. So Elaine Vigneault was the perfect guy to replace John Tortorella. Different personalities. And then when when Vigneault's time had ended and things had gotten a little bit lax with the Rangers. It was a perfect time to bring in a guy like David Quinn, certainly in, 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 you know, in a, in a, in a rebuild situation, but to rebuild kind of the, but also to rebuild the baseline of work that was demanded and practice habits that were demanded. And, and so you had Quinn then replacing Vigneault and now you have the shift from uh, a guy who came from college and was very hands-on to a pro, an experienced pro who is less hands-on. So I think I think the shift in dynamics was something this Rangers team needed after after these three years. And I, and I think again, it's 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 all to play out. You know, training camp's easy. <laughs> you know, it's 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 when you know it's when the points are on the line that that we see the you know, that, that we see the whole picture. So Larry, Ron and I had to make our predictions for the season. Where do you think the Rangers are going to finish and who is your Stanley Cup winner of choice? Oh, I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Probably should have warned you before we recorded. <laughs> I, I think the Rangers have a, have a, a real good shot to make the playoffs, um, but they're going to have to knock out, I think, Pittsburgh or Washington. You think they're going to finish in the top three in, in the division? Well, I think they're going to have to knock out Pittsburgh or Washington. So they don't have to knock out both. I, I think, you know, if, if they knock out, if they knock out both, then they're third place. If they knock out one, then they're a wild card team. But I look at the, uh, the conference and I think you assign playoff spots to Boston, Toronto, Tampa Bay, and Florida. Exactly. And, you know, three plus a, a wild card. Correct. Then I think you give two spots to Carolina and the Islanders. Although I think the the Islanders are an interesting team. I, you know, so much respect for how good they are in the big moments, but they're going to have to get through 82 games this year again. And two years ago, two years ago, they were sliding. They were sliding out of the playoffs when the season was stopped by 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 the pandemic. And last year, even, you know, they had a very, very tough second half because the way they play, they grind every night. You know, they play playoff style every night. It's hard to do for 82 games. However, let's assign them a playoff spot. So it's Carolina. I think they've earned that. <laughs> so it's 
you know, can the Rangers knock out Pittsburgh? Can the Rangers knock out Washington? Are those two legacy teams ready to tumble? You know, are they ready to dive? And and I thought Pittsburgh was last year, and, and clearly I, I was wrong. They finished in first place. So that's the question. I think the Rangers have a chance to be pretty good, but are they going to be able to knock out Pittsburgh or Washington? That's that's where it comes and I, and I think that's their head to head play. Their head to head matchups against those teams are going to be very important for you know for the playoff drive. And I think that's why you know the opener with all the you know all the surrounding noise and that's going to come to DC next Wednesday. It's also an, an important game for the Rangers. You know, it's it's a it's a rivalry game. It's a, it's against the team they're going to have to to knock out of the playoffs. And so I think they're going to be good. I, uh, as far as the cup, find me a team that can beat Tampa Bay. <laughs> I know they lost the third I respect one, that. <laughs> but their organization is so deep. They've done such a good job of not only identifying stars, but of identifying role players and of identifying talent. Talent may be the right wrong word. And uh, identifying players who fit into their system, who fit into their philosophy, who might have not been able to make it with another organization, but can thrive in Tampa. Tampa's the king until somebody knocks them off. And is Colorado going to be ready? Maybe. Um, will the Islanders score the extra goal? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I like the Islanders against Tampa in a playoff series. I mean, I think that's a seven gamer if the Islanders can get there. Carolina, I'm not really sold on them as a, as a, as a cup team. I'm not sold on their goaltending. So again, find me the team that's going to knock off Tampa Bay. Big predictions from Larry Brooks. And Larry and I will be in the house in D.C. for opening night. Very excited. We already have our restaurant of choice for the night before. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again for your time, Larry. And we'll chat again next week. Yeah, great talking to you, Molly. Dukes. Our first guest of the season also happens to be the first current roster player we've ever had on the show, which is exciting all by itself. He was an off-season addition, coming off two straight Stanley Cup wins with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and now he signed to be a Ranger for a whopping six years. Please welcome Barclay Goudreau. Barclay, welcome to New York and welcome to our Up in the Blue Seats podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. I guess my first question has to be, do you think you're getting all of your ejections out of your system this preseason? <laughs> I sure hope so. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not really, I don't know how many times I've been ejected in my career, but can't be more than three or four. So this is uh, not very typical of me. So yeah, I would say they're as good as gone. <laughs> That's good. But in all seriousness, what was it like to score your first goal as a New York Ranger at Madison Square Garden Wednesday night? It was cool. It was uh, to Madison Square Garden is a pretty special place with uh, with a ton of history. Um, you know, it's always a rink that, as, as a visiting team, you, you look forward to playing in. So it's uh, it's going to be exciting playing there at the home game. Barkley, it's Ron Duguay here, and you you mentioned history, the Ranger history. I'm part of that, and I remember <laughs> scoring my first goal at Madison Square Garden. The energy and the excitement. Just so you know, you and I have some things in common. We're both Canadian. You're from Toronto. I'm from Sudbury. You played major junior. Played five years. I played four years. I played as an underage. And I'm looking at your numbers, and I, I and part of this is just kind of edge. It's letting our audience, our Ranger 
Ranger fans know a little bit about you and your background. You had a pretty decent major junior career the last couple of years, but you went undrafted and you ended up in San Jose. Can you share with us what that was like for you? Because you were almost a point of game towards the end, but you don't get drafted. And then you end up in San Jose undrafted and you make the team. It was kind of a whirlwind going through um, you know, my first year of draft. I was eligibility. I actually went to the draft in Minnesota and ended up sitting through all seven rounds, not hearing my name called. But looking back on it, I think, realistically, that was kind of the best thing that could have happened to me. I think it, it kind of drove me to, to get better each and every year. I remember vividly sitting there um, in Minnesota and just hearing some other guys' names called. That, and you're just thinking in your head, like, I'm... I know I'm better than this person, but I, you know, I guess I need to put in some more work to to make sure other people know it as well. So then, even you know, going into the, the draft, the the two following years, I thought going into my overage season, uh, we were going into a new city in North Bay. Um, the whole uh, branch and organization uh, moved to North Bay, so it was kind of cool to to be in our city and um, our team had a really good year that year. Um, I had the best year of my junior career, and that, that led San Jose to, to signing me as a free agent in, uh, in March, near the end of the season. So you spend your time in San Jose, you play a few years there, and then you get the call, you get traded to Tampa. I'm curious to know, right towards the end of the season, I'm curious to know what that was like for you, that conversation with Cooper when they brought you in. What is it that they, why do you think they brought you in? What was the expectation out of you when they brought you in? Just pretty much play my game. I remember him telling me, listen, uh, we, don't need, we don't need you to play on the power play. Um, we need you to be hard to play against, help create a, an effective third line and, you know, a line that can be dependable and kind of counted on to, to play against other top lines and, and just be defensively sound and also, you know, extremely hard to play against. So he said, uh, I think, you know, whenever you, you join a team that's been so good in the past, you might want to, you know, try to mold your team a little bit to, to fit in with the, with the group that's already there. But, you know, we just want to see you, uh, do your thing. So now that you're here in New York, I know the team team is is pretty split on where everyone's living. I know some are in the city, some are in White Plains, others in Connecticut. I'm curious what area you settled in and and if you're rooming with any of the guys on the team. Um yeah, I'm I'm outside the city with my wife, uh my wife's dog and I. So asking around to uh see where guys live if, if more guys are in the city, more guys outside and it seems like a pretty split decision. So I went for the outside the city decision, and I'm loving it here so far. That makes sense if you have a wife that you would be living with your wife. <laughs> I'm, cu- <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm curious, um, you know, I guess then which guys on the team have you hung out with the most away from the rink? We, we've all been pretty close. We uh, we just got back from the trip to Rhode Island, which was you know, a lot of team bonding, a lot of getting to know each other. I think with, with so many um, new faces on the team and you know, whether it's new uh, young guys coming in or, or guys that uh, were acquired in the offseason, it, it was great for everyone to get to know each other a little bit better. And you know, I think I've been in New York for about three, four weeks. I mean, honestly, it feels like I've been here for, for a lot longer than that with how you know, the guys have been uh, very inclusive of of the new guys and very you know, easy to get along with. So I can already tell it's a very, very close-knit group and um, it's going to be a fun one to play with. Barkley, we had some questions from Twitter. Mr. You know, related to that point, Mr. E-Boy asked, which Rangers players have impressed you that you maybe didn't expect to so far? Well, I mean, the obvious ones are, are Fox and Brad. I think you, know, you really appreciate those guys when you see you know, what they do in practice every day and watching them in, in a few preseason games where their skill and, and the 
intelligence is just through the roof and it's something you don't really appreciate unless you, you know, you're watching their every shift or, or you know, not just seeing the highlights from the night before. So I've been uh, very impressed with those guys and, uh, you know, so many more, so much skill throughout the full lineup and so many young guys that, that have come in and have, you know, great camps and I know making, uh, are making decisions hard for the coaches. So it's great to see and, um, I think we're, we're preparing ourselves well to start the season off right. Barkley, one of the issues in New York is that they really haven't had a captain. They haven't named a captain because I don't believe they had captain material. They had assistance. Now, you were in San Jose. You had Thornton Burns, Pavelski, and then in Tampa, Stamkos. Uh, I'm not going to ask you who you think would make a good t- captain, but I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you about one player that I'm really liking his presence so far on this team, and that's Ryan Reeves. Can you describe what you've seen from him as a teammate on and off the ice? Yeah, he's a guy that you know when I was in San Jose, we we battled a lot and um, pretty big rivalry going on for a few years there, and it, it's nice to be on his team for once. Um, <laughs> you know, he's a He's obviously a, a great teammate. He'll you know, do, do whatever it takes to win. He's always uh, he's always putting the team first, picking up the guys, and you know around the room. He's just he's a very uh, very inclusive guy. So you know he's very approachable for everyone to talk to, and kind of brings the team together and leads the charge. So he's been great for the room. Uh, he's you know very veteran presence that. Uh, it's going to be very helpful for this team. And, and yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully, like I said, we get off to a good start. And, uh, yeah, it should be fun to, to play with Rebo for once. I'm curious how Gerard Gallant's coaching style compares to some of the other coaches you've had during your NHL tenure. Uh, I would say pretty similar. I think uh, you know, I've been lucky enough throughout my career to play for, for some great coaches and, you know, coaches that just know how to manage the game and maybe aren't uh, aren't overly technical, but, you know, believe in the players to, to kind of go out and do do the right job. You know, the, I know Turk expects you to give 100% uh, every single shift and, uh, you know, just play the game the right way. I think, uh, you know, he doesn't want guys cheating or, or doing doing things. Um, you know, the easy way, he expects uh, full effort every time you're on the ice. So, I think so far and, and we're going to we're gonna learn a lot from him this year. Another question from Twitter from Chrissy at NY Pangers. How does living in New York compare to other cities? Um, there's a lot more traffic <laughs> than I would say living in Tampa, but it's been great so far. Um, being outside the city, you just have the option to go there, um, kind of whenever you want. They, uh, they expect a winning team on the ice, so there's a lot of pressure on us to do all the season. I think that's that everyone's looking forward to, and, uh, you know, we're pretty confident in that group. So what was your food or drink of choice out of the cup? Everyone has to know. <laughs> Actually, I didn't eat anything out of it. Um, no? <laughs> was, uh, no, I didn't. Um, there was a lot of beer. So, I say, uh, <laughs> Makes a lot sense. Of beer that yeah. So in Wednesday's game against the Devils, Reeves goes down, and, and it was clear the Rangers bench didn't appreciate P.K. Subban's role in that incident. Do you expect that to be a new trait to this Rangers team, just an immediate response to those types of things? Because it's not something the Rangers have always had. Yeah, I think so. I think whether I, I don't, I don't really think he was intending to to hurt him, but definitely didn't look for it on video. So I think whenever you see that happen, especially to a guy who who you know is going to have your back no matter what, he's going to be the first guy in there if if anything happens to anyone on our team. So when you see something uh, happen to a guy like that, it should be automatic that someone uh, someone does something about it, and uh, it's good to see. And, and it doesn't feel like we're we're just going into our first season. Barkley, I'm gonna 
end it with this with me, more or less a comment. I watched you play last night, and I've seen you play. And you have an opportunity with your style to become a fan favorite. A lot of that has to do with, because I've coached a long time, and I would talk to my players and say, do you want to be regular or do you want to be noticeable on the ice? And you're very noticeable in your style. You finish your check, and you look like you're having a good time. So I encourage you to keep doing what you're going to do. I know you're going to keep doing what you're doing, but the fans are going to love it. And so we look forward to this season, who you are, and the difference you're going to make. Thank you. Appreciate that. That was Coach Ron, everybody. Coach Ron. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Barkley, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it, and uh, good luck this season. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Episode 58, the John Gilmore edition of Up in the Blue Seas, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mungia for producing the show. Do us a solid and give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. For number 10, Ron Duguay, I'm Molly Walker. We will return next Friday following the first and second Rangers games of the season. After that, we are back every Thursday. Thanks for listening.